Our scripture reading shall be taken from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 19. You shall not steal. Luke 16, verse 10 to 13. Whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you the property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. May the Lord bless his words in our hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you, Mercy. Thanks very much for reading and Rebecca for praying. Let's pray that God will speak to us through these words. Lord, we thank you for your living and powerful words. And Lord, we pray that your words today will shape our mind and our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You shall not steal is the eighth commandment. Uh, when I, the first time I remember stealing something was when I was still in Korea, when I was, I think, about eight. And you might have guessed it. Uh, if you know me, I saw these candies. <laughs> and I couldn't, I wanted them. And so I took them, I put it in my pocket, and I tried to walk out. And when the store owner saw me and uh, saw me and stopped me, and it was a... Uh, uh, it was a small store that sold all sorts of things just down by the road from where my church was. And they knew that my, my dad was the pastor of the church. And so they called the church. My mother was called. I was lectured. It was a big shame um, for me and for my family. You can judge me, and it was wrong. And unfortunately, though, there are other ways that I keep on breaking the Eighth Commandment. I don't think I'm not... Uh, uh, Excusing myself here, but, but I'm not, I don't think I'm alone. Martin Luther, the great reformer, this is what he wrote about thieves. If we look at the mankind in all its conditions, it is nothing but a vast, wide stable full of great thieves. He saw thieves everywhere. So how do we keep on breaking this command? When we think of stealing, I think we think of what we actually, what I just confessed to, you know, a pickpocket or um, shoplifting or, um, uh, or uh, burglary. And there are thefts uh, that have fancier names like um, racketeering, false business dealings, right? Embezzlement, stealing from companies or extortion, practice of getting something, you know, through blackmail or uh, threats. Some people steal others' identity and all the things that are associated with that. Most of you, I hope, um, haven't stolen like that. But we do find it easy to steal from faceless victims. I just came out of the quarantine. And I wonder if you've ever been tempted or if you have done so yourself, taking a towel out. You know, the bathrobes apparently go missing. Apparently even sheets and Bibles go missing from hotels all the time. 
for some file uh, false insurance claims. We steal by not returning our library books or not returning our friends' books, knowing that it is theirs. Students steal, plagiarizing their ideas, sections of a paper from other people. Or in the early days of the internet, do you remember? Everybody, it seemed like everybody stole music and movies. It was easy to download them, and everybody was doing it, and no, not many people were feeling much remorse from it. Corporations steal. They steal your copyrights, these uh, uh, intellectual property. But I think most of us, if we're working people, the way that we keep on stealing, breaking the Eighth Commandment is probably in the workplace. Pen and paper, you know, stuff like that. But more than that, there are other ways that we work from, uh, we, we steal from our workplaces. Taking friends out and putting in the expense accounts. Or sometimes we call in sick when we're not sick. Isn't that stealing? Or... Uh, Surfing the internet, running chores and doing things and not during the work hours and not putting in the work that we're supposed to be putting in. I mean, we're getting paid. Isn't that theft? Of course, the workplaces also steal from us. Sometimes they demand things that we're not contracted to do, to work overtime. You know, once or twice, that's, that happens. But consistently, when a workplace consistently asks you to stay overtime, do things that you're not supposed to be doing, well, that happens all the time. The workplaces steal from us. Countries steal. Legacy of colonialism. It's still felt around the world today in Hong Kong and elsewhere. And there are things that are technically legal, but they're immoral, like price gouging, jacking up the price of things that other people really want. I don't know if you are familiar with the name Martin Shkreli. He was named the most hated millennial <laughs> uh, because he was the guy, I don't know if you remember this, but he bought the rights of an anti-parasitic uh, drug, manufacturing rights for anti-parasitic drug. He jacked up the price by more than 5,450%. He sold this pill that used to cost 13.5 US dollars and sold it for $750 and got rich off of it. And he felt no remorse because it was technically legal. Price gouging. Remember how the essential goods um, in Hong Kong, toilet papers, vegetables, and stuff like that, the, the price skyrocketed in the early days of COVID. And this goes on um, everywhere. And people also lend money. Once again, technically legal, but immoral, isn't it? To lend to somebody with 15%, 20% interest. Uh, and these target people who are most vulnerable, people who need that sort of loan the most. And this sort of predatory lending go on on a national level, on country level as well. If we think about how we steal, we steal all the time. Luther is right. In these small and big ways, we do steal. Friends, what form of stealing have you taken part and what form of stealing do you think was okay, it was fine, because everybody else was doing it, that we, do we as Christians need to repent of? And when we break God's law, we pay the prices. You know, when we sometimes pay direct prices, don't we? When somebody steals from us, I've been pickpocketed, my car... Um, rental car and my car in the U.S. were broken into, and, we, and, and you know, it's a substantial cost uh, when we get, uh, when, when we're victims 
of theft. But there are indirect prices that we pay all the time too. You know, did you know that you know, most of the retail, like clothes and other things, they're marked up sometimes by 15, 20% by the retailers because they need to factor in the cost of theft that goes on. We're all paying the price. But more insidious and more serious is the price that we pay but not being able to trust each other, not being able to leave the doors open, not being able to trust when somebody says this is the price. You know, isn't that why we always try to get the best deal in Shamshipo and other places? Because we feel like somebody's stealing from us. They're not giving us the right price. And so we don't trust people. And we try to then uh, take advantage of one another. We pay the social cost. We're all paying the price. Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to worry about these things. And many of you know that I went to a small Christian uh, liberal arts um, college um, in the U.S. And there, there, one of the nice things there is that I think that there was sort of a, a community that trusted one another. I mean, I think size had to do with it. It's about 2,000 students. And so we got to know each other all by, we could recognize one another uh, as belonging to the college. But you know, there was a sense of trust there. When I left uh, the library for lunch, I would leave my laptop and other things there because I knew that most people, which, I mean, it w it's very unlikely that it would be taken. And I was even more absent-minded back then than I am now, and I lost my wallet at least three times in my undergraduate days. And each time, the wallet came back intact. Nothing was taken from it. We were able to, to in a way, trust one another. And do not steal. You know, that's the kind of community that God is envisioning. A place, I'm, I'm sure a theft happened there too, but ideally that is the kind of community that God is envisioning. Do not steal. A place where we can trust each other. When we can leave our doors open and belongings out there without worrying about somebody taking advantage of us. Somebody taking things from us. That's the kind of society that God wants us to live in. Actually, that's not true. It's even better than that. <laughs> it is even better than that. The society that this command envisions is one where wealth and resources are shared with one another. Money allocated to the most needy and worthy causes where all our resources are used for God's glory. Because the essence of this command deals with our relationship with the goods, with the things that we have. And when God says, do not steal, it's God dictating our relationship with our material possessions. Which means God has the rights for all these things. God has the right to tell us how to use our material possessions. Because all are God's. Everything that we have comes from God. That's the essence of this command. All of the world's wealth belongs to God, which means that we are mere stewards. We are managers of things that God has entrusted to us. And we affirm this in many ways, and the Bible does this again and again. Remember King David. 
King David, as he was giving, you know, he didn't, his, God said, uh, he wanted to build the temple. And God said, no, 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 your son will build the temple. But he so wanted to give towards the building of the temple. So he started to give lavishly towards building of the temple. And as he gives his money, this is what he said. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from you, from your hand. We only give what God has given us, what God's uh, generous hands have entrusted to us. And we remind ourselves of this truth in the Anglican liturgy. All things come from you, and you respond, of your own have we given you. Each week we say this, everything is God's. Somehow you think, well... I do work hard, though, for my money. You know, 60 hours, that's kind of the, uh, often the norm uh, in Hong Kong. But remember what God says about our ability to work. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the ability to produce wealth. Your natural ability towards math or music or whatever, your passions, even grit, you know, like some people just cannot concentrate, can they? <laughs> you know, I've got kids now, so I can see how much nature affects uh, these, these kids. Even grit, ability to be able to concentrate, even the opportunities that you have to make money. The opportunity to make such money in banking now, that wasn't there 100 years ago, I mean, many, many hundreds of years ago, right? Even the opportunities that we have to make money, even the connections that we, uh, that we make, that's these fortuitous things. God has given us those opportunities. Friends, everything comes from God. Everything is God's. So reflecting on this, Christian writer Jerry Bridges says that there are only three kinds of people in the world. One kind are thieves. The thieves say, what's yours is mine, I'm going to take it. Most people in the world are like this. What's mine is mine, so I'll keep it. And, and Bridges says that there's the third kind of people, Christians, who say what's mine is God's and I'll share it with others. Or another Christian writer, Jen Wilkins, says, we're either God's sto storehouses of God's treasures or distribution points. Friends, are you a storehouse or are you a distribution point of the things that God has entrusted to you? Are we distributing it? Are we sharing it with others who need it? How are we to use our money? I think there are three main ways. One is to take care of our families. God gives us these gifts so that we can take care of our families. Paul writes to Timothy, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We are to take care of our families. That, was, that should be one of our priorities. But not only that, not just our physical families, but household, household of God as well, our spiritual family, the church, this church and the churches beyond, uh, they're doing gospel work. When God spoke to Israelites about tithing, practice of giving 10% um, back to God, he uses the language of stealing. This is Malachi chapter 3. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, but not 
by not giving to God what he is owed. You know, under Christ, under the new covenant, it is a matter of Christian freedom, how much you give. But that we support the gospel mission of this church and around, our, uh, around the world, that is an obligation that God has given to each one of us as Christians. This is a must. And finally, we also distribute, we should be distribution points uh, for meeting the needs of the poor around us. God, from the very beginning, not just in, the, um, in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, has always indicated his concern for the poor. You know, I talked about predatory lending, lending at 15, 20%. Uh, in the Bible, you're not supposed to lend with any interest, right? Because poor cannot pay back such interest. So God is concerned for the poor. When people harvested, they're commanded not to harvest to the edges of the corner, to leave the corners for the poor, for those need, who are needy. When they harvest, they're supposed to harvest just once. And not pick up every grain that's left in the field. Because if they do, that was, that was reserved for the poor and the needy. If they did pick up every little grain, that was robbing, that was stealing from the mouths of the poor. Take a look at Leviticus chapter 19 or 23. And that principle stands for the Christians too. It's no wonder when God sent the Holy Spirit... When God filled the, Holy, uh, filled the church with the Holy Spirit, one of the first things that they do is they share what they have with those around them. In chapter 4, uh, the second time, it, it, it says, uh, uh, Luke records, there was no needy persons among them. There was no needy persons among them, as there should be no needy persons among us in this church. As we see the needs of one another, there is enough wealth and possessions that we ought to be sharing. But this isn't just something that we are commanded to do. I hope the gospel compels you to do this. The story of Zacchaeus comes to mind. Remember Zacchaeus, that short tax collector described in Luke 19 verse 2 as a wealthy man. He was a wealthy man because he was a tax collector. He robbed from his countrymen and got taxes for the Roman Empire. He was a traitor to the country. But this is how he responds to Jesus coming into his life. Jesus coming into his house and eating with him. Immediately, he responds by saying, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, four times the amount, I'll pay back. The gospel moves us to be distribution points. All his life, he lived as storehouse. All his life, he took and stored. But as soon as Jesus enters his life he becomes a distribution point he wants to give away half of his possessions and make up the loss for those who he cheated and one of the joys of being a pastor is seeing things that many people do not see and i'm really thankful for many of your generosity you know in the church when there was a, a, a family who lost their father all of a sudden 
the church members came and paid for a helper to stay with this person, this person's family, for three years. For three years. There are people who paid for medical expenses or repair, uh, uh, repair of homes, uh, flight tickets, or college tuitions. And I thank God that God has touched you that we can see God's kingdom at work, that we are now God's people, people who have been transformed, once again, from storehouses to distribution points. You know, I don't know if you know people who are always looking to make great investments. You know, they're always out uh, on the lookout for, to make great investment, to make more money. And I hope you come to church to make great investments. That you come to church to go, okay, who are the people who are in need here? How can I help the people that God, the community that God has given us? Because there should be no one in need in this church. And I hope that God is calling us to do something similar for this community in City One, in Sha Tin, in Hong Kong. That we will do, we'll see the needs of the community around us and that we will look for great investment opportunities to give away, to meet the needs of the poor around us. Let's explore ways to love our neighbors, not just in words, but in action as well. See, you shall not steal. What's the opposite of stealing? Well, it's not just not taking, it's giving. That is the community that God has envisioned for us. It's not just a community where you can leave your doors open. It's a community where all the needs are met abundantly as we share um, our life and our possessions with one another. And it's the kind of community that God is creating here to be a, a, a window into the, 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 the kingdom of God that is coming to the world. And please know, I think this is an under-emphasized um, part, please know that we will be judged on how faithful we have been to this call. For those of, uh, for those of us who are in Christ, if you're in Christ, it's not, this, this judgment, the second coming, will not be a matter of salvation, right? If you are in Christ, you will inherit God's kingdom, not because of your goodness, not because of your faithfulness, but because God has been faithful in sending his son and God has been gracious in giving us his son. But Christians will be judged on how faithful we've answered his call on earth. And those who have been faithful to God's call will receive rewards. Rewards of greater responsibilities. Now, it won't come with more money <laughs> or bigger house. You know, Jesus, the greatest son of man, lived without a house. But you know what he was? He was the servant of everyone. He was able to serve everyone. And in the new creation, when Jesus comes, Jesus will look at each one of us. And he'll say to some of us, and says, he, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, I've entrusted you with little. I'll give you more. You will be given responsibility, his, his approval, his esteem, and you will be then entrusted with more responsibility to serve more people. That will be the reward. 
more service to, the, to our Lord, um, that, that, that God will entrust us, God will trust us with greater responsibilities. And on that day, it's not just, have you taken things from others? On that day, we'll be judged on, have we been generous towards others? Mercy read just a little bit of Luke chapter 16. And I wish um, I have preached on this uh, once before. So if you are curious, do go back to it. But I want to just make that reference because that reference right before what Mercy read was this parable of an uh, unethical um, servant who uses his uh, master's possessions to make friends. He starts giving things away to make friends. And at the end of it, when master comes back, he does not rebuke the unethical servant. In fact, he praises him. The point is that these things are not ours. It's somebody else's. And if you can't be generous with somebody else's property, uh, the master says, how can I entrust you with the true property, true wealth? And Jesus concludes, this is a section that we read, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? On this earth, if we can't give away things that are God's, things that are not ours, how can God trust us with true riches, he says. And did you also notice what he calls the world's riches? They're not the real thing. It's not the true riches what is the true riches? At the end of the Bible, we're given this stunning vision of new Jerusalem coming from heaven down to earth. It's a great vision of city that's filled with jewelry, uh, precious stones and jewelry and pearls. And it also says in 21, Revelation 21 verse 21 that the street will be paved with gold. I looked up the price for gold yesterday. Yeah, one kilogram of gold, I think this is right, is about 400,000 Hong Kong dollars. Just a little thing. One kilogram of gold, 400,000 Hong Kong dollars. You know what this is saying? It's not saying that gold is precious when it says the street will be paved with gold. In the new creation, we will literally trample on gold. We will walk on them like it's nothing. These things that people just gather, work their lives for, we will walk on them. We'll trample on them because these are not the true riches. Friends, true riches are coming. God saying to you, that relationship with him, that greater responsibility that God will give you, those things, the true riches are coming. Remember and consider God's judgment because we will be judged on this. But thankfully, he has taken the greatest judgment for us, hasn't he? On the hill of Golgotha, Jesus died between two thieves, on the left side and the right. But from God's perspective, actually, they were all thieves. All three were thieves, not because Jesus stole anything, not because he didn't trust God and misused possessions. No, but because Jesus took on our sin of stealing, 
are not relating to our possessions in the right way and making money our God and stealing from him and not being faithful stewards. He became that thief and he died for us. So on that hill, on this hill where thieves died is our hope. Remember, one of the thieves did turn to Jesus. And with his dying breath, he asks, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds, truly, I tell you, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Friends, that is the gospel. Now, how will you respond? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that because of Jesus, we will live in a world, uh, in this city, streets, where the streets are paved with gold, uh, where jewelry and precious stones and the things that people covet the most in this world will just surround us because of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, help us to know that grace and help us to respond to that grace and help us to live not for things of this world but Lord help us to live for you for your esteem for your pleasure and for your glory and may Shatin Church be a snippet a foreshadowing of the kingdom of God that is coming into this world may we enjoy that now may we show the world that your kingdom has come and may we anticipate, may the world see that kingdom in us. Lord, touch us with your grace that we might respond graciously. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.